Well, good morning. I was just up here reminiscing. That's a sweet sound, choir. That was really beautiful. I enjoyed that very much. Waiting for the keynote to work, brother. Is there a magical thing I can do? Probably not. I want to begin a series today, and I preached before there was electricity, so it's going to be fine. I, I want to start a series today, a Christmas series, uh, God is Ascending God. As we go through this month, as we celebrate Christ coming to earth, I want to go through a series of things. And I want to start in the beginning, because the beginning is where it all started. And it's in the book of Genesis. So if you turn to the book of Genesis, I've outlined some things for you in the bulletin and also will be up on the, the screen there. Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Now, I'm not going to preach the whole chapters and all that. I'm not going to do that. Although I would like to. I want us to look at some things. Perhaps even some things you haven't thought about. Maybe you haven't uh, noticed in the Bible. So, the first thing I want us to look at from Genesis 1 and 2 is God's presence at creation. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what you have... Is uh, there we go. Now we're. Now something's going to happen. I'll just. Um, no, it's not going to happen. Yes, it is going to happen. There we go. Thank you for your patience. That's what the doctor said. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Now we're, now we're rolling. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and, and by His very act of creation He was present. He was there. Uh, anytime people start to ask questions and start to uh, want to argue about God and creation, all, you can always ask what Ken Ham says. If you don't know who Ken Ham is, it's got nothing to do with eating later. Were you there? Were you there? Oh, you weren't there, were you? But God was there, His very presence in creation. So let's look at it. I'm just popping through this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all the days of creation, but I just wanted to give you a little gist before I get into what I really want to say about this. Specific creation, one, on day one, light was created. God said, let there be light. And there was. And then it was day and night. He separated the day and the night. Day two, the atmospheric heaven where the the waters above were separated from the waters beneath, and there was an expanse, it's called the heavens, uh, called heaven, the atmospheric heaven. Now, day three, the separation of the seas from the land and vegetation and trees. And it's very, very cool. You read, by, by the way, it's the number one bestseller, the Holy Bible, chapter one. You can read it. Day four, God created lights in the expanse to separate the day from the night, that's the sun and the moon to be signs for seasons, days, and years, and to light the earth. All of this is so curious. I was reading this yesterday over and over again, and I thought, I don't understand the smallest part of this, but I do understand it happened, just like it says in the Bible. Day five, sea creatures and birds. Day six, land creatures, and then mankind was created. And then day seven, God ceased from creation, and He rested. And there's some great things. When we get to the book of Hebrews later, when we start in January, we'll get to chapter 4 of, 
of Hebrews, and we'll talk about this rest, this rest and sanctification. Anyway, that's specific creation, but I want to get into um, special creation. Focusing on day six, when God created mankind, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God said, let us make man in our image. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune personalities of God, all one God, expressing himself as three different distinct persons. Nobody understands that. You'd have to understand God to understand that, but it's true. When, see, we don't, we don't get to come up with what's true. It is only that when it's revealed to us what's true. Someone who knows reveals to someone who doesn't know. God is the one who knows, and we're the ones who don't know. He reveals to us. We don't get to tell him what the Bible says. He tells us what his word says, and I'm so glad that he does. We're made in the image of God. It's a special creation. We're, we're unique among the creatures. We're unique among all creation, and everything that God created is tied to the special creation of mankind. We are special. All of creation is groaning right now, waiting for the redemption of mankind. Everything that happens later, I, I was on a plane yesterday and didn't have anything better to do but sit and read the Bible. And so I was reading and reading and reading, started the beginning of chapter 1, just read, and I just read and read. And as I read through all of that, you see when, when, the, when Noah and the flood, when God flooded the earth and destroyed mankind and saving eight in that ark, all of the judgment of God was tied to the sin of mankind and all that happened in judgment affected all of creation. We're tied together. All of creation is tied together. And it's link, the, the link is mankind. He made us in his image. We have a mind, will, and emotions. We're able to think. We're able to think about tomorrow, next week, next year, eternity. We try to think about, the Bible says that the eternity has been set in our hearts. We can't think about not existing. Well, you don't have to worry about it because you're always going to exist from now on for eternity. God has made us that way. But there's another thing about being a special creation that uh, given a divine image, we're an image of God and what all that means, I, I'm not really sure all of what that means, but I do know that it means that we are uniquely different from every other creation. We have a spirit and a soul and a body. Uh, we are souls rather than having souls, better, better way to say it. We have a spirit that is alive to God. We can worship God when we come to Christ. But if before you come to Christ, you have a spirit that's dead to God. That's why you need to be born again and made alive in the spirit so you can relate to God like you were created to relate to God. And it's a tremendous thing. But we're not only given a divine image, we're given dominion. Now, you wouldn't think about that listening to NPR. Not want to pick on anybody, but yeah, I kind of do. But anyway... It seems to me like every time you listen to something, it's like we're in the way of all the animals and all the creation, and we should give up the earth to them. They were here first. You don't read that. In the one who knows everything and revealed it to us in the Bible, says you have dominion over this whole earth. It's for you. It's, it's, 
God made it for you to be in charge of it. Did you know that? Did you feel that way? Do you feel that way? Well, you get, get to where you're feeling that way. Look around and say, hey, that belongs to me. Now, take good care of it. doesn't mean you need to be uh, terrible stewards of what God gave you. But understand, people are more important than animals. Let that sink in. People are more important than animals. That's a very important thing. People don't get that in the world today. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We're in charge of all the creeps. Well, make sure you're awake. Half of you are. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's the way God made it. God made us this way. Praise him for it. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He just repeats it again for emphasis. Let you know, I made you in my image and I made you to rule this earth. It belongs to you. Take good care of it. And do with it what you should do with it. Be fruitful and multiply. There are too many people on the earth. Have you ever heard that one? There are too many people on the earth. No, there's not. There, there isn't. But people don't understand. They listen to the lies and they think, oh, there's too many people. We've got to do something about this population threat. And we've got to do away with people, make sure people don't have but so many kids or don't have any kids. And what kind of people are you bringing children into this world? I'll tell you what kind of people we are. We're the kind of people who are in charge of this world that God has given us. And you ought to have children if God would allow you to have children and you ought to raise them upright. And, and boy, if the believers in Christ don't raise up children to, to understand the things of God, what's going to happen in the world? I think we might have seen it. It's a terrible thing. Now, all that was just an introduction for what I want to say today. I want to focus in on God's presence in the garden. Now, we're here to celebrate Christmas this month, and it's all going to be a blast, and we're going to eat after this, so you don't have to go anywhere. Just across the parking lot, and, and we're going to have a great time together. This is my first Christmas here. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be a bigger man because of it. Yeah. But I, before we get over there, I want, to, I want to eat. Let's eat here. Let's have a spiritual meal here and enjoy this passage today and then we'll enjoy our company over there as we get together. God's presence in the garden, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Look at his personal presence. The Bible says in Genesis 3 verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now this is after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. Now, I didn't want to go through every part, every verse. We'd be here a, a long, long time. So I'm picking and choosing some things that I want to say. But this, is, this talks about the presence of God. The Lord God, the Lord, the, all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, that's Yahweh. That's the self-existent one. That's the name that when Moses saw the burning bush and God spoke to him from the burning bush, he said, who should I say sent me? And he said, I am Yahweh. I'm the self-existent one. I wasn't created. I'm the creator. I am. 
And Jesus called himself, I am, I'm the bread of life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the light of the world, and, and so forth. You find the I am in who Jesus, God himself, came to earth. This one, the Lord of all, the Lord God who walked in the garden in the cool of the day, our Lord Jesus, I believe is this one who walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Won't that roll your socks up and down? This is fascinating. Everywhere you read this, and I don't know why it's translated like it is. I, I, you know, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I, I know some, but I don't know. I'm not a, but I know this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the ruach of the day. That's, that's Hebrew. That's just a word that means wind, cool. That's why they say cool. It also is the word that means spirit. Anytime you see the word in the Hebrew Old Testament and it talks about the spirit of God or the spirit of a man, it's the word ruach. I believe it's the Lord God walked in the garden in the spiritual part of the day. That there was a time of every day when Adam and Eve, when our Lord Jesus would visit with them in the garden, walking in the garden. What about that? What would that have been like? I don't know. I can't imagine what that would have been like. I mean, this was different from... Even when the disciples got to spend time with the Lord Jesus and He's walking on the earth and they're walking, it was different because this was before, before sin took place, Jesus was doing this. Interesting. And now this, day, this time of the day when He would come and meet with them, He came and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. His personal presence with them in the garden on a daily basis. There was a special time that he spent with them. And because he was perfect, because he was sinless, because the man and his wife knew something was wrong. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid from his presence. His holy presence was with them every day. And then they disobeyed God and they're separated now from, from God by sin and they're running from the presence of the Lord. That, that, so many people try that. I mean, there is a, a sense in which there's a special presence of God when you're walking close with, with God. And when you stray away, there's this distancing that takes place and you think, oh, I, I really need God to be close to me, but it's far from me because I'm I'm walking in disobedience to him. I'm in, in, into immorality, and some kind of idolatry, maybe whatever you're into in your life. You just strayed away and it, you feel like God's just not anywhere near you. And somebody said, if, if you're not as near to God as you used to be, guess who moved? God's walking in the garden and you're hiding. God's walking into your life and you're moving away from him instead of to him. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They try to get away from his presence. Something about the presence. That's why some people don't like to go to church. I mean, you come and you sit in a service like this, and this guy gets up, starts waving his arms and preaching and pointing and yelling and all the fun stuff that we do sometimes. 
teaching what the Word of God says about what God wants you to know about how to know Him personally. And you've got to mention sin, and you've got to mention the, what's wrong with us. And people say, I'm not comfortable with that. I wish you didn't talk about that. I'm going to tell you, if we don't talk about what's wrong with us, how we're ever going to get it fixed. And everybody's in the same boat. Boat's got a hole in it. Let's get out. You ever been in a boat that had a hole in it? Get out. If you don't get out, you, you will get out eventually. Excuse me. God has made a way for us. Look at what he does for Adam and Eve. His providing presence. This is a strange thing to think about at this time in, in the history of mankind. There's only two people in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in all of mankind, Adam and Eve. Verse 21 said, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So they're hiding. They use fig leaves to try to hide and they're, they're ashamed and they, they weren't created that way, but now because of sin, they are that way. Now they're ashamed, and now they're hiding from the presence of God. And God does something very interesting. He kills animals and clothes Adam and Eve with the skins of those animals. The first time death is experienced and seen in all of humanity is the first couple when they ate of the tree of the life uh, the, tree of the, the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. I'll get it right in about an hour. The tree of the, in the middle of the garden of knowledge of good and evil. When they ate of that, God said, In the day that you eat thereof, there you will surely die. And they ate and they died. So, well, Pastor, Adam went on to live to be 930 years old. He didn't die. You better back up the truck. He died. That's why he was hiding. He died spiritually. The worst death that you'll ever experience is not physical death. It's spiritual death. Being dead to God spiritually is a hideous thing. They died. And what did God do? Why did he make skins for them to wear instead of fig leaves? This is the first picture that you get of substitutionary atonement. It's a picture of the innocent dying for the guilty. It's a picture of blood being shed, and the life is in the blood. The, uh, he teaches in the book of Genesis, the life is in the blood. And he's showing there has to be a sacrifice made for your sins, and I want you to get the picture of it now. And they get the picture of it, and they teach it to Cain and Abel. Cain didn't get it right, Abel did. And it continues on. There's a picture in the very first book of the Bible of the substitutionary atonement of the innocent dying for the guilty. And Jesus Christ is the one who will die for all of mankind. He's the one. And this is the first picture of it. Did you ever notice that as you're reading through? Because every time you take the skins off an animal, it does some damage. You might have just read through it. Yeah, they made them some skins. Okay, let's go clothe them. Okay, move forward. Don't do that. Slow down. Look at what God's presence is in, in prevention. God did something very unusual with Adam and Eve. Now, I don't, this is the most mysterious part to me. I am always full of telling you what I don't know. I have so, I've got a lot of that. I have volumes of things I don't know. I'll share it with you, and I'll tell you what I don't know. Now, I also will share you what I know, 
I'll tell you one thing I know. I know that I don't know some things. And I'm going to show you one right now. God's presence and prevention. Look at this. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. First thing to notice is a sad development. The first time God never wanted you to know evil. He gave you a choice. And they made the choice to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God knows everything. He knows good and evil. He knows everything. But Adam and Eve didn't know evil. They didn't know what it was. And then they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and now they know. And they were not better off for it. And look at the mess they left us. Now, before you get on all mad at Adam and Eve, uh, how are you doing? I just thought I'd mention it. Yeah, you would have eaten the fruit too. You're just as fruity as they are. Look at the serious danger. Look at this. This is mysterious to me. He might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. The garden, in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of that. The tree of life is in this garden. Now this tells me, I, this, is a, this is a guess, but I think it's a holy guess. This is a guess. It wasn't very long after they were created that these things happened. They had not eaten of the tree of life. And he said, we must now do something because the man might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. If eaten of the tree of life, look at what would have happened. If they had eaten of the tree of life, they would have stayed in the condition in which they were in sinful state of condition. I'll say it in a minute. I do have a little bit of a, a, a tired jet lag, but, but I'll say they would stay in their sinful state forever. They would have eaten of the tree of life and stayed in their sinful state forever. And God prevented that. Look what he did. Therefore the Lord God sent him, sent man, out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. And at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. I'm going to guard the way to the tree of life. I'm not going to let you eat of it. I'm not going to let you continue in your sinful state forever. I'm going to prevent that from happening. The presence of Almighty God says, I'm not going to let that happen. Aren't you glad God was there? Aren't you glad God was there? He was there when He created. He was there in the garden when His creation was complete. He said, it's all good. It's all good. And He was there when mankind sinned and disobeyed God and, and walked away from God and tried to hide from God. He was there too. And He didn't say, okay, well... I'm just going to leave you alone and leave you just like you are. I'm just going to forget you. He didn't do that. And he doesn't do that now. He hasn't forgotten you. Some of you feel like God will never remember you. You're so far from God, you think, I can't even believe I'm sitting here right now in this church service. I'm so far from God. <laughs> the Bible says you are not far from God. He is near you. No matter how far you've strayed away, He is near you right now. By His Spirit, 
He pulls and tugs at your heart. He's always moving you towards himself. Sometimes you'll blame it on me. Say, oh, pastor, you're just trying to give me and make me feel guilty. If you feel guilty, it's because you are. You just are. I don't have to make you feel any way. You just are. And it's God who is working in your heart, not me. Well, I can't get people to do anything. If right now I tried to line all of you up and in single file, let's go across the parking lot and eat, it wouldn't work. You wouldn't do it. I couldn't get you to walk in single file if I wanted to. We'd have a traffic jam. There'd be people trying to pass each other because some of them walk faster than other ones. And then there'd be some pushing and shoving and biting and kicking because they're hungry and they haven't eaten in hours. I can't get you to do it, but I can, I can tell you what, God, God will move you to himself. Sometimes you want to blame circumstances and people and all for making you feel the way you... It's God. It's God. And thank him for it. Thank God that you feel bad when you're separated from him. You should feel bad. He wants you to feel great. He wants you to come back to him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to surrender to him. So then you understand what it's like to just walk with God in the spiritual part of the day. Have God visit with you every day. Have you open up the Bible and just read what it has to say and let God speak to your heart and you just walk with God and you just pour out your heart to God and you, you pray. So I'm not very good at praying. There's not, a, there's not a, a level of how good are you at doing this. Just talk to God. And I tell you, this is if you have trouble with that, just talk to God until you can't think of anything else to say. Some of you it takes five minutes. Some of you it takes hours. Just talk until you're all talked out. Now you're ready to pray. All of that was just practice. Because praying is mostly listening to God. Not talking to God. It is that. But the most important part is listening to God. Have you ever listened to God? Take the most familiar passages in the Bible that you know and you've known for years and read them again. God will speak to your heart. And he will show you things. And they, the Bible didn't change. You're the one that changed. And he'll begin to show you things that are wrong in your life, not to condemn you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So get over that part. If you've surrendered to Christ, there's no more condemnation. The, all the things that you're feeling now are to move you into fellowship with him, not to move you away from him. You belong to him. You're his. You're going home with him forever. And it's going to be better than the garden. And you're not just going to have dominion over some creation. You're going to be seated in the heavenly places with Christ, the Lord of all. I don't understand that. I don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you it's going to happen because the Bible says so. You've just been raised up and promoted to the highest level of creation to be with Christ, reigning with Christ, reigning everything. Angels are going to say, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I, I'm amazed by that. Think about it. Think about it. It's fascinating. God has done everything you need 
to save your soul. He's done everything you need to keep you alive until he saves your soul. Your body's been through some stuff. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Some of you have caused a lot of challenges to the angels of God who are trying to protect you. I've seen you drive. You know, it's like, I don't know. This, Sherry and I have been talking about this. They're crazy drivers around here. Now, we, were, we were going home last night, and, and we didn't think anybody was on the road. And suddenly, this guy in a loud pickup truck, I don't know what he was doing out that late at night, but he whizzed by us. We didn't even, and he was gone. And I thought, it reminded me of my childhood. We saw that all the time. Crazy people in the world. So that guy is going to die one day driving crazy like that. He might or might not. Depends on God. God will take care of him. God will keep you alive until the time. You reject Christ. You reject God. That's all on you. But somebody said you'll have to stumble over the cross of Jesus to go to hell. He's just laid it all out in front of you. There's not a more privileged people than sitting in this room. Because you get the opportunity to hear the Word of God and study the Word of God and fellowship with the people of God. It's a great privilege that you have. Great privilege. If you miss heaven, it's your fault. But I just pray to God that you don't do that. That you don't miss heaven. That you don't miss the whole fellowship with God every day. The joy of knowing, you know, when you get to heaven, you look up, and I don't know what it's going to be like the first day in heaven. I aim to find out. But I don't know what it's going to be like to enter into the presence of God. I mean, the presence of God is here to, right now in this place. The presence of God is working on you right now. God's working. But there's this, when you, all the sin is gone. This body is you got a new one. It's all perfect. And you're in the presence of God. What's that going to be like? Don't you want to be there? You walk into the presence of God. You fly into the presence of God. However you get into the presence of God. And there's Jesus. And you will say, that is my Lord. I know him. I've never seen him before. But now that I've seen him, I know him because I talk to him every day. And I listen to him every day. And he's helped me through everything in my life every day. He's just my Lord. I hear the sound of him walking in the garden in the cool part of the day, in the spiritual part of the day. I, I know him. I know him. Oh, uh, Fanny Crosby was a famous hymn writer. You know who I'm talking about? She was blind. And she said, I will know him, I will know him. Never have been able to cry and talk at the same time. She was talking about how she would know him when she saw him. Because she had already seen him. With her soul. Does that appeal to you at all? Am I touching on anything in there? Come to Jesus. And whatever's going on in your life, it's nothing. It's really nothing. One glimpse of Jesus... It all goes away. 
It really does. Every problem you have is small. Because the biggest problem you've ever had is solved when Jesus died on the cross for you. His presence at Christmas is so precious to us. So I invite you, whatever your decision today, whatever's going on in your life today, you just give it all to Jesus. I just beg you to do that. Because I want you to be happy in your soul and uh, experience the presence of God. So as we stand together, sing this invitation hymn. I want us to pray just now and ask God to help us. Let's, let me just pray for us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for our time together. What a tremendous passage today, all these chapters that talk about what you've done in the beginning and how you've made a way for us, how your presence is so real at creation and in the garden and then in preventing people from staying in their sinful state. Lord, I'm so grateful for that. When I pray if there's anyone here today struggling with understanding whether they know you or not, that they would just cry out to you and say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead that I could be made right with God. And so, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. Come in right now. Take over my entire life. Save me. Save me for eternity. I give myself to you. If that's your cry from a, from a heart committed to Christ, He saves you. Whatever your decision today as a believer in Christ, you already know Him, but He's, he's pointed some things out to you today. And he wants you to just lay those aside and walk with Him. Would you do that? Say, Jesus, today I'm going to lay aside the things that I've been saying and the gossiping I've been doing and the critical spirit that I've had towards other people. I'm going to give that aside, Lord, today and take up what your word says to do. I'm, my words will be words of encouragement to people. My words will be words of love. Lord, change me. Make me what you want me to be. I give that over today. I ask that you do that in me, Lord. What problems do you have that you're going to give over to the Lord today? Before we close out this service and fellowship together around the table, what do you need to take care of? You do it. And as you do it, if you need to come forward today and make that commitment public, and you do that, and I'll be waiting here to pray with you as we sing. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name.